From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On our last episode, we looked back at the home stretch, with the Gators fighting tooth and nail to keep their BCS hopes alive against rivals Georgia and Florida State, plus a legendary swamp moment against South Carolina that had many thinking this was a team of destiny. Now that the regular season was in the books, it was time to see if the Gators had enough fight and luck left to get to the desert. This is Trail to Glendale, Episode 5. BCS Unrest. At a program like Florida, the goal was always to win a national championship. But in the BCS era, save for Alabama in 2011, you couldn't win a national title without first claiming the SEC crown. That was the opportunity in front of the fourth-ranked Gators as they headed to Atlanta the first week of December, with eighth-ranked Arkansas representing their final chance to impress the pollsters and computers. It's been quite a while since Arkansas was at the level they were in 2006. When current Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn was in his first season on the national stage as the offensive coordinator, generating gaudy numbers for Houston Nuts team by deploying both Darren McFadden and Felix Jones out of the backfield, still one of the most accomplished two-headed running back tandems in history. Following the trend that we've detailed throughout this season, the Gators raced out to an early lead in the second quarter thanks in part to their patented special team striking again. Jacob Skinner. Back to punt for Arkansas, senior from Texarkana, Texas. Ranked sixth in the league, 38.4 average. His third punt, deep Brandon James. He hopes to field it somewhere around the 45-yard line. Play clock down to two and to one, and they just beat the wrap. There's the snap, and the kick has been blocked. The Gators have blocked it, and it's a free ball for the Gators to try and pick it up, and they're going to recover at the 10-yard line. Oh, my! The Gators got a block on the play as they sit up inside for Florida. It looked like Jared Faison came in, and a block on Skinner, and the Gators have themselves first down, taking over at the 10-yard line. That led to a Chris Leak touchdown on the ground, and just five minutes later, the senior hit Percy Harvin in stride for a 37-yard score to make it 17 to nothing. But the Razorbacks used an explosive 48-yard bomb to get on the board just before the half, cutting Florida's lead to 17-7 at the break. As mentioned earlier, Florida was ranked fourth the day before the selection show, so they not only had to win, but they surely needed number two USC to lose to unranked UCLA to make the move. And that hardly seemed likely during the heyday of Pete Carroll's reign, as the Trojans had won seven straight in the crosstown rivalry. But the football gods smiled upon the Gators once again, as USC, who had won an eye-popping 55 of their previous 58 games overall, was stunned 13-9, a result that trickled through the stands in the Georgia Dome all the way into the locker room, as recalled by junior linebacker Brandon Seiler. We would be lying if we said we didn't give a damn what happened in that game. We kept, I mean, we were looking at it every step of the way. And um, I think it was like halftime. Well, we found out, you know, like somewhere in between in that first half. And <laughs> Arkansas was one of those teams where, you know, they had 
McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis in the backfield. But we were one of the best because we found a way to win. We would fight and claw and do everything, everything that it took to win, you know, every game. And I think that was something that was special about us that year. It's possible the Gators were thinking too much about what was happening on the West Coast after leaving the locker room as Leak threw interceptions on each of the first two drives the second half, with the second being a crushing pick six that flipped the game and the Gators upside down. Suddenly it was 21-17 and Arkansas had all the momentum, leading to a quick three and out on the next drive. The Gators were lined up to punt on fourth and ten from their own 15 when Meyer made a call that even in hindsight is almost too hard to believe. Wilbur hit it near the seven-yard line at midfield Reggie Fish. And now the Gators are going to fake it deep in their own territory. And here they come on the run. They're going to come down the sideline as they got a fake on the play. And a beautiful play for the Gators as they get out there. Jamil Cornelius to run the ball for a first down out across the 30-yard line. Oh, my. The Gators deep in their own territory get the fake and a first down. Took a little guts, Mick. Crazy as it seemed, Athletic Director Jeremy Foley notes what it said about Meyer and his will to win big. This is what makes Urban a great coach. Yeah, to be a great coach, I heard Billy Donovan say it once, you cannot be afraid to lose. You cannot be afraid to lose. Losing stinks, but you cannot be afraid to lose. You know, we were playing Arkansas for the SEC title that year. And we'd scored early and we're up early and it's like 14 to nothing. And they started getting momentum. They scored. Their fans got loud. They kicked off to us. I mean, the total momentum switch. You can feel it. You've been there. And now we have a couple penalties and then we go nowhere. We are punting from our own nine-yard line in the SEC title game. Plenty of time left in the game. Urban fake punted and got a first down. We got the ball to midfield. They held us. We punted to them. So the Gators have fourth down and almost two yards. They took a timeout and send the punter into the game, Eric Wilbur. There's the snap, and Wilbur will kick the ball. And he hits a mile-high, beautiful punt. Back to the three-yard line and bobbled by Arkansas. Down in the end zone, a loose ball. Gators get it. Touchdown! 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 Oh, my! Wendy Pierre-Louis! Oh, my! Touchdown! Gators have taken the lead. Special teams. What a significant part of who the Gators are. There are not many coaches are going for a fake punt fourth and nine in the <laughs> SEC title game, right? I just, you know, that's why Urban is, is successful. You know, and that's he's not afraid to lose. Billy Donovan's not afraid to lose. That's what it takes to be great. And I think we have a lot of coaches who, who are that way. They're not afraid to lose. They will teams to win with that with that type of mindset. The Gators used these two special teams game changers to take control of the contest, and they never trailed again thanks to some late fireworks to seal the deal. Dallas Baker goes wide to the right. Baker tonight, two catches, 25 yards. Twins to the right toward the boundary, and Twins out to the strong side to the left. Chris Leak at quarterback has Harvin coming in motion. Leak takes the snap, gives to Harvin. Harvin going to run the ball. 35-40. Harvin's in the clear. Harvin at the 40. Into the secondary to the 30. The 20. There he goes. You won't catch him. Oh, mercy, mercy. He's just gone 67 yards for a touchdown. Oh, my. Arkansas was coming upfield. There was no one in the secondary. And, Mick, nobody is going to catch Percy Harvin. Thanks in large part to Harvin, the game's offensive MVP, Florida prevailed 38-28 over the Hogs to win the SEC championship. 
And while the win may have been sweetest for the seniors, kick returner Brandon James remembers it largely as a showcase for the freshmen. Again, another freshman, Wandy, my uh, roommate at the time, making a big play on the punt team. Mm-hmm. Um, another freshman, Percy Harvin, being the offensive player of the game. Like, you you know, I, I got to see really early, like, look, man, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman. It doesn't matter how small, big. You go out there and play and ball, you know what I mean? You're going to get validated for your success, man. And I remember them having all, you know, that's when they, uh, what do they call them, Run DMC? I think that's what they're calling them or something like that. I remember watching film, and I was like, man, they basically run a high school offense. They're basically coming in motion. It looked like wing T, like we ran at uh, Sanal. So, you know, going and seeing those great athletes, man, but um, we had a great game plan. I remember vividly, you know, Coach Mullen laying out the game plan. They were a man-to-man team, and we knew we could take advantage of some mismatches, and Percy just killed those guys, man. And, you know, being excited for him because, again, that's your – you know, me and Percy end up being roommates. We're really good friends in school, still really good friends to this day. And uh, just him having the success he did, you're excited for your boy, excited for Wandy. You know what I mean? Excited for everyone, of course. But, you know, of course, being that freshman group, we were a close-knit group. So um, early on, I got to see, like, man, it doesn't matter, man, like freshman or not. You know, when, once you have that success, you make those plays, man, you're going to be validated. So um, that game was really, really special. And, again, man, being – Watching football my whole life. Now we're in the. Now I'm in Atlanta at the, in the SEC title game as a freshman, having an impact, being on the field, seeing other freshmen that I just came in with have success. It just it was surreal at the time, but it also it just you know boosted all the confidence that I had this, this, from then on for the rest of my career. Florida took care of business, and so did UCLA on their behalf at the Rose Bowl. But would they leapfrog number two Michigan to get into the title game with the undefeated Buckeyes? Keep in mind, this was before there was a Big Ten title game and Ohio State had beaten Michigan the week prior. So while the Wolverines were angling for a rematch, Urban Meyer and the Gators were banging the drum for Michigan having had their chance to beat Ohio State, but now that opportunity belonged to the Gators. While that PR battle was being waged publicly during SEC Championship Week and in the aftermath of the game, co-defensive coordinator Greg Madison insists the coaches have a different job within the locker room. Now, what you have to do then as a coach is you got to let the guys know that whatever bowl game you play in has got to be a big game. I mean, if you're not going to get in a national championship game, well, you're going to definitely be in a huge game. So whatever it is, get ready to play. We definitely had a watch party, but, um, you know, we kind of left selling ourselves and worrying about how other people viewed us and everything like that up to Coach Meyer. And one thing about Coach Meyer, man, he does a great job of giving his opinion and stating facts on who who he feels is better or who he feels is deserving or having the opportunity. And as we see now and was well documented then, like the SEC and the Big Ten didn't compare. Michigan didn't compare to us. Yeah, they came back and beat us the next year, which still rubs me the wrong way. But at that time, there wasn't a comparison. You know, the schedule we had played, all those teams we had to go through and the schedule they played, to my opinion, it wasn't close. And um, so me being a freshman, I'm not really too worried. You know, I'm just in- enjoying the process. Whatever happens, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to be ready to play. But uh, we were all kind of at ease because we knew Coach Meyer had did a great, great job of selling our team um, to the BCS and to uh, all the uh, people that were making the decision and you know he was always on tv with everyone asking his opinion of our team and everything like that so we knew he had did a great job of you know 
doing his job. So we 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 were all at ease and just knew whatever whatever came about, we were gonna be ready to go execute whoever we played. And um once we got once we learned that it was Ohio State and we were gonna get a chance to play in the netty, um, that was a special moment. And I remember once the you know the announcement was made, of course we're at the watch party, everyone's running around going crazy, jumping up and down and all that good stuff there. So it's again it's one of those surreal moments like Man, I just watched Reggie Bush play Texas. Mm-hmm. Like I was just at home watching this game, and now I'm about to be in this game. So um, it was a special moment. After riding a roller coaster with a dangerously loose harness for nearly three months, the Gators were going to play for their first national title in a decade, but they were anything but the favorites. Undefeated Ohio State was nearly a two-touchdown frontrunner from the moment the matchup was set, and few experts were giving the fighting Gators a fighting chance. I remember I was on one of our uplines going to a meeting or something, and I was just, I might have been on there by myself or with Greg McGarity or something. Might have been going to Birmingham in December for an SEC ADs meeting. And in the in the seat back pocket in front of me was a, a Sports Illustrated from after the Michigan game. And after Ohio State played Michigan, it was the cover said the best team ever. Mm-hmm. They were undefeated, and they said best team ever. And I didn't take that to, um, I didn't mean anything. I said, oh, my God, we, we, you know, we got, a, we got a heck of a battle here, right? So, you know, like anything else, Adam, you're nervous. And as you go into the ball game, you go to practice and you look at our team and you start looking at stats and you try to figure out a way how we're going to win this ball game. And, you know, I'm an idiot. What do I know? I'm just a fan. And I'm just trying to I'm just trying to, to figure out a way to win. I just remember more than else how excited I was to be there, for the Gators to be part of it. It was incredible to be part of it. You know, when we won the national championship in 1996, you know, we won, and we thought we were going to be national champions the next day, but it had to be voted in. I don't know if you remember that. Even that night, um, I think Ohio State had to beat Arizona State, and they did, and or the day before or something. So it's not like the whole buildup, we knew we were going to be playing for a national championship, and even when we beat FSU, we thought we were going to be voted in, but we didn't know. You know, that, that game, the Ohio State game, for a whole month, five weeks, whatever it was, we knew we were playing that night for a national championship. That's an incredible feeling. Incredible buildup, incredible publicity for your program, your coaching staff, your university, your players. You know, to get on the bus that day to go to the stadium, know that the winner tonight is going to get a ring. That's what it's all about. Uh, I remember having the same feeling in 1992 at the first ever SEC championship game in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. That's the first. That was the first one of those games that when the winner knew the winner of that game was going to get a ring. Because the Gators were the underdogs that day. Alabama was number one in the country. If we won that game, we're SEC champions. That's the first time that ever happened. So the same feeling that night. You walk in the stadium, know, hey, if you can win tonight, you're going to get a ring, you're going to get a trophy. Special. For Urban Meyer, an Ohio native who is very familiar with both the Buckeyes and the Big Ten, the challenge appeared daunting, even to a coach who rarely lacked confidence. Well, the typical reaction every time you start getting ready to play, for me, when you play a, a team, is every Sunday they look unbeatable. I don't care who you're playing. And what happens throughout the week, you start, you know, through film study, staff meetings, watching film, et cetera, you start finding that there are flaws in that team. But when I first saw Ohio State, Troy Smith, Teddy Ginn, Anthony Gonzalez, you know, two first rounders at receiver, an incredible defense with James Laronitis and that whole uh, outfit, I thought they were unbeatable. And we were told they were unbeatable. We were, we were told, if you remember, there's a big portion of the country that wanted to see uh, Michigan Ohio State rematch. That's right. And obviously that that was not be fair. You know, they had their chance. You know, and, and this was how about this for great advice? Lou Holtz, who I used him a great deal that three or four weeks getting ready for the game, just for consultation. And that was he just kept telling me that you don't play the game till January eighth. 
Just remember that. You don't play the game. You don't have to have them ready. And so we broke it down into three phases. First phase was fundamentals. Second phase was preliminary game plan. And then third phase was game week. And one of the best things we did, because we were in a routine, we practiced three days, then we went shorts and game a day off. Hmm. And that's exactly, we kept them in a game routine because of what Coach Holtz told me about. You know, you don't play that game. And, and coaches make mistakes. I've made mistakes having a team too ready before it's time. For senior quarterback Chris Leak, the lengthy layoff between games was critical for a multitude of reasons, one of which illuminates some of the struggles he had in the SEC championship. Having those 30 days uh, was huge for me because I had a broken right thumb on my throwing hand, and I broke it uh, in the second quarter of the SEC championship game, and I just played through it the rest of the game. And to have those 30 days to heal, because I believe the first, I think he, he called it phases, and the first phase, I, did, I didn't get to play quarterback at all. I was, I was rehabbing my thumb. I was out to practice, you know, just listening to the game plan, uh, but I couldn't throw. And the, first, the second phase of that 30-day period, um, I had to throw with a glove on my right hand because I couldn't quite grip the ball just yet. And I didn't. I wanted to get at least get some live reps and practice to get the feel for what the game plan was. And it was very, very, very helpful for me that Coach Meyer put that plan together. And I've known Lou Holtz um, since I was in the sixth grade when he was at South Carolina. Um, so I can see the... Um, the similarities between him and his coaching style and Urban's coaching style for sure. And um, so that was that was huge for me just to get back healthy during that time. The Christmas break really helped me get healthy uh, as well. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful plan to get us ready and get us prepared, because I re- if I remember correctly, when we got to um, Glendale, our practice days, even though like it might we might have been practicing on a Thursday our mindset was like, okay, this is a Tuesday practice. Right. So that's how the schedule was set up for us. And it was, it was, it was done brilliant, brilliantly by my coach Meyer and uh, the coaching staff. And it obviously it helped us prepare those 30 days were uh, we were the most prepared team in the country without a doubt. And um, the third, having 30 days to get to watch film, I, I believe I watched every single snap of Ohio state a dozen times their entire season. I watched every game, and every scenario, every situation, probably over, probably a dozen times, if not more. And uh, I probably watched the Michigan game, which was their last game, which you have to watch, obviously, uh, a ton. I probably watched that probably definitely over 20 times. Wow. So I, I, when I got to the game, it was almost like you, I, I knew what was going to happen before it happened. Because when you have 30 days to, pl- to prepare for one game, it's for a quarterback. It's almost at disadvantage for the for the opponent because you get to watch. You get so much time to watch what they've done, how they've evolved as a team, how they've evolved as a defense. You know, even through injuries and things like that, which they didn't have many. They had a that Ohio State defense was uh, had a lot of NFL players get drafted that year, and uh, they were a very talented team. But having having that amount of time to prepare for one team was a was a very fortunate task that we had and obviously getting back healthy for me personally and for a lot of guys on the team who were dinged up that was a big big way that we were able to get back healthy and get back to full strength on paper and initially on film ohio state was scary but as the gators dug deeper into their games and looked at the competition offensive coordinator dan moen remembers slowly seeing that veneer disappear Well, I think, you know, one of the things we're able to do is is you, you have that extra time to prepare. So schematically, you're putting your guys in a great situation. 
I think, you know, in looking at that team in that season is, uh, you know, we started watching the film and Ohio State had a dominant year. Uh, but when we looked, they really hadn't played in very many good teams during the course of the year. Uh, you know, I think they played Michigan in the final game of the season, but I, they really, I don't even know if they played a ranked opponent until that point. It was it was one of those that you looked and said, okay, they're a dominant team, but who have they played? And I think going into that game, uh, you look at the, the gauntlet of teams uh, that we had to play leading into that game, you know, uh, the uh, of and that that season. The, we, we played tough game after tough game. And because of that, I think our team was weathered, but I think they were also extremely confident, you know, that they'd been in all these tough games and all these tough matchups. And the fact that we were an underdog, I think with that, our team had a huge chip on their shoulder going into that game. With the time leading up to it, we were able to really kind of create matchups all over the field, you know, dictate them and put them in bad positions. You know, and I think it was, you know, after the opening kickoff that they ran back, I think uh, offensively and defensively, we just absolutely dominated every every play of the game for the most part. And uh, I think the preparation leading into it, the chip that we had on our shoulder going into it, and the the fact that we were able to, with the time, we were able to create matchups that were major problems for Ohio State. And we were able to create, you know, get guys, create either formationally or, or you know, where we put our personnel where we were putting guys that they couldn't cover and they couldn't match up. What ultimately happened in this game opened the eyes of the nation to the talent gap that had grown between the SEC and some of the other power conferences. And the league would go on to win seven straight titles. But at that time, the SEC had claimed just one of the previous seven. So Florida's underdog status was understandable. Regardless of what reality held, Brandon James remembers some of the tactics Meyer used to drill a chip into their shoulders. Coach Meyer, uh, a psychology major, man, he was he that was his deal, man. He could he could have us ready to run through a wall no matter who we we're about to play. And he would always come up with all these stories about how he had beef with the other coach and how we should have beef with all their players and all this stuff here. And it would always be funny because he would always come up with all these stories. And then you see pregame, he's shaking and smiling, hitting, smiling and laughing with the coach. You're like, man, what's wrong with coach, man? He's always you know, going crazy like he's about to slap the guy when he sees him. But then now they're joking and having a good time. But again, him being a psychology major, man, he knew how to spin it and get us going. And um, so I remember going into that game. Of course, we didn't need too much confidence because, again, you got a bunch of seniors that have been through hell, basically, their whole college career. And now they're in the national championship game. So they're really they're ready to show and prove. So I'll never forget uh, when we're at the national title game and they're doing all our press stuff and we're in the you know actually in the stadium and you know everyone's asking questions and Kenneth Tooks our senior receiver at the time not really a you know starter or anything like that but he was a senior that been through the fire and he was well respected on our team someone asked him predict the score of the game and he was like uh 99 to zero (laughs) and you know at that time no one gave us a chance so and the reporter laughed kind of laughed him off like ha ha he grabbed the mic and was like no I'm serious we're gonna beat them 99 to (laughs) 0 and you know at that point I was like man this is gonna be wild man I knew he was serious and I knew the senior class was serious about it you could tell how the work week went when we practiced all that week the preparation week and uh you know I knew it wasn't gonna be a close game they didn't stand a chance here's redshirt freshman receiver David Nelson Urban is one of the the master motivators that I've ever seen. And I, he feeds off of that underdog mentality. Uh, I remember texting my dad. We were on the way. We were on the bus leaving our hotel, going to the stadium in Arizona. And I remember texting my dad and I said, I've never seen a team more ready to play a game. 
than I, than I do right now. I mean, just the feeling that was on that bus, just the, I mean, everybody was locked in, whether you were going to play or not, whether you were a starter or you weren't, I mean, you could just feel, you could just feel it. It was just tangible. And, and leading up to that, I mean, the practices, we were, practices were better than any practice we've ever had. And that's unheard of in bowl practice. I mean, guys were just locked in. I mean, every single day, every chance he got, everywhere you walked, there was a newspaper clipping of something that Kirk Herbstreit was saying or some <laughs> news reporter was saying everywhere you went. I mean, there was a strength coach who was doing counting your reps and he would talk about like, oh, Troy Smith is getting this many. Or Troy Smith's doing that and just constantly just beating in your head about what people were saying and telling you you couldn't do it. Um, and I, I think that was a, t- a lot of ways Urban was testing us, but in a lot of ways he knew uh, the character of our team, the DNA of our team and knew how to get the best out of us. And I, I mean, I, I think a lot of those news pundits, I think a lot of the talking heads, I think a lot of the fans um, who didn't believe in us, whether it be our fans or other teams fans, uh, because that's a big reason why we were able to play the way we were, the way we did. Um, because for two, three, four weeks, like it's a strong motivator to hear somebody, hear lots of people tell you how bad you're going to get beat and to give you to count you out before you're even on the field. And as a competitor, you know, you just sit in that for three or four weeks. And in the time when it's when it's ready to come to the game and you're just like a caged dog or a dog on a leash, just ready to be unleashed. And and unfortunately, uh, they scored in the opening kickoff, but right. that didn't deter us. And that didn't, uh, like I said, just the character of that team. It was never it never, never faltered. It never swayed away from, you know what, like we're going to put our hands in the dirt and we're going to get dirty and we're going to play physical. We're going to play tough. We're going to play as hard as we can. And even after that first kickoff to the house. You never saw the team put their head down. You never saw guys uh, get discouraged. You never th- saw guys say, oh, I guess this is what the news was talking about. I guess this is what the sports commentators were talking about. It was the opposite. It was, okay, you know what? That happened. We got punched in the face. We we're going to get right back at it. We're going to go and we're going to make this happen. And, and from that kickoff to the end of the game, I think you saw that. Meyer's motivational methods became the stuff of legend, working closely in tandem with his staff to push the right buttons at the opportune times. Yeah, it was our strength coach, Mickey Marotti, myself. You know, we just kept, you know, hearing that we didn't belong. And, you know, basically the entire other than within that team room. And and there's nothing quite like the superhuman strength you can get as an underdog, especially if uh, you've got a close team. And that that became as close a team. After that Auburn loss, that team was extremely close. And uh, and then after the South Carolina win. So we played it up now. And as it progressed towards game week, you know, I started showing flaws at the beginning. I always like to show tape of the team we're getting ready to play and the videotape I would show early in the, and I would instruct our coaches would be all the great plays. And then as it got closer, I would show a lot of the flaws and tell them you can beat this team. And then uh, by the time we hit Glendale, Arizona or Phoenix for the hotel, I had it everywhere. You know, you couldn't take a step without hearing me say it or see it on the walls of quotes, some real, some maybe I used or made up a little bit just disrespecting our program and our team and our players. While Urban was likely able to convince many of his players that Ohio State was unbeatable long after he learned otherwise, it didn't seem to work on Brandon Seiler, who was anxious to display his confidence on behalf of his defense. The one thing that stuck up in my mind was that Ohio State that year, I think they beat Illinois in like the last second, right? And um, Illinois' coach was who? That was Zook at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Ron Zook, right? So I remember thinking, you know, 
damn, I wonder what Zook thinks about him. And, you know, the take was basically that we were way more talented than that Illinois team, you know, that took them to, to the ringer. We're way more talented. And when we have that much time to dissect their team, when you have guys like Madison and Strong, you have that much time, we created so many advantages. Um, we had a system where I could call two different plays depending on what kind of set they were in. And we were so dialed in that we could go through the whole playbook and they didn't really change things. They just kept them the same because I don't feel that they ever was forced to change, you know? Um, And that, that when you, when you face a competitor that is equal to you and you don't change and you don't change anything that you do and they get a hold of it, that basically puts you at a disadvantage. And we knew that. I could look through every game that they had at the point where we played that championship game, and I knew exactly what, what play they were running. I knew which side they were going to. I knew if they were checking out to run to a pass. I mean, it was all things that we had just figured out. So going up into that game, Urban didn't let me talk much to the media because he knew that I was kind of like, hot hit and we were basically uh you know when they put us on tv they would ask crazy questions well i remember the one time that they put me in a room they had all these cameras and you know urban selling don't give us no bullet don't give them no bulletin board material don't give them no bulletin board material right so that was us we were just going to stay on the radar don't give them anything bulletin board and uh and they got this these cameras i'm sitting down at his desk and the very first question, and Urban is off of camera, maybe like five yards away from me. And the very first question they asked me, they said, "Are you? What are you scared of most, Troy Smith's arm or his legs?" And I took a deep breath, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked over at Urban, and Urban's kind of doing the whole neck like, Mm-mm, right? Do it, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I look up, and I said, I said something along the lines of, "Listen, <laughs> y'all have basically put all of the shine on Troy Smith and and, and everything that he's done. You know, Troy Smith's a good quarterback." He can throw the ball well, and he can run the ball as well. But don't you get this twisted. We ain't scared of him at all. (laughs) You know, like, y'all can say whatever y'all want to say, but don't you get it twisted. We ain't scared of him at all, rather than running up past You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, you know, I had to think about how I was going to convey that without saying Y'all, y'all tripping. We gonna beat his ass, right? You know? right. We, gonna, we gonna kill him, you know. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to convey, you know, what I was saying, basically, without saying, you know, the, the heck with what y'all talk about. We gonna beat their brakes off, mm-hmm. you know. So that was my way of saying it, the best way that I can, with Urban sitting on the side of me saying, "No, you don't give him no bullets and more material," you know. Mm-hmm. So I remember that going up into the game. Co-defensive coordinator Greg Madison was also feeling bullish about the Gators' chances, especially after a critical meeting leading up to the game. I'll tell you, there was one moment. There, there was one moment, and it happened in the preparation for the championship game. 
my son was captain at Iowa for two years and we played against Iowa, uh, the year before. Well, he came to the bowl game and, uh, uh, he ended up playing in the NFL for five years in a whole shot, but he came to the bowl game and, uh, he sat in the meetings with my defensive line and they, the, you got to understand when you're getting ready for a bowl game, there's a lot of meetings now. And after a while, some kids can really lose their focus and you're going through film and you call out defenses and you have players in that meeting room tell you what to expect and that kind of thing. And you expect some feedback. Well, my son, Brian was sitting in the back of the room and I would, there were guys sitting on the floor and, uh, and I said, just relax. You guys relax. We don't have to sit in chairs. We've been doing this a long time. It's the end of the year. And, uh, uh, I'm running, uh, Ohio state film. And, uh, I would stop the, the, the screen, the play before it would happen and show them a formation and a backfield set. And I would go around the room and I'd say, Ray McDonald, what play is coming and tell me what block you're getting. And then I would click the play and he would call it out perfectly. And then you'd go to Joe Cohen or you'd go to right down the line to, to every one of the guys and they would call it out. We left that room and I'll never forget my son, Brian saying to me, I have never seen anything like this where this team is so focused on what plays coming. And I knew right then that these guys had totally bought in. Just like Siler and the defense were uncovering vulnerabilities in Troy Smith and the supposedly unstoppable Buckeye attack, Chris Leak and the offense were discovering some trends they knew they could take advantage of. Well, I think for me personally, I, I saw a team that, that we could have a lot of success with, especially in the passing game, which we did. Uh, um, I didn't see anything that 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 to the point to where we would just be stagnant on offense. I felt like as the game plan went on, like this, like yeah, we could we could exploit some things that they did defensively. And at the end of the day, I, and we the main thing we had to do was win our one on one battles, whether it was uh, our tackle, our guard, win the battle up front, be able to make sure uh, I was checking protection the right way. Which uh, which Ohio State was not a blitzing team. Um, they were they very rarely blitzed because their front four was was a very a very dominant front four that year in the Big Ten. So when they did blitz, it was kind of like a change, a really big change of pace for them. As the plan came together for the desert and the picture was beginning to take shape, Meyer may not have known what was to come, but he felt good about their chemistry and the road they traveled to get there. Yeah, I just think the mix of the old guys and the young guys, I was a very senior. I think we graduated eight seniors off that team on defense. And like you said, you take a Tim Tebow and a Percy Harvin, two true freshmen. And they become, you know, Percy was MVP of the SEC championship game against Arkansas. And to see a Brandon Siler, who was a great leader for us, and and uh, just the mesh between the young and the old was, uh, was one of the great experiences I've had. On our series finale, the Gators reached the end of the trail to Glendale and put together their best performance of the year on the sport's biggest stage. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. 
giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for tuning in to this latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats. <laughs>